a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CCTN headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Shavan Nimberg. Coming up on the program. Industrial resurgence. China's industrial economy experienced a robust rebound in 2023, solidifying its position as the world's leading manufacturing powerhouse. Rebuilding trust. Global leaders and influencers gather for final day of Davos Summit, focusing on pressing global issues. Debt dilemma. U.S. Congress passes stopgap bill to avert government shutdown as national debt surpasses $34 trillion with no signs of slowing down. Let's begin the program by taking a look at fresh data released by the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology on Friday. The data shows that China's industry made a strong comeback from the COVID-19 pandemic in 2023. Official also said that China remained the world's top manufacturer for a 14th consecutive year. Dai Kai has more. China's Ministry of Industry and Information Technology says industrial output grew 4.6% year-on-year in 2023. And for a 14th consecutive year, China remained the world's biggest manufacturer. It was a milestone year in the country's industrial history, marked by a significant rebound in economic recovery, three years after the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic. The Ministry of Industry and Information Technology is ramping up new industrialization, boosting manufacturing, and seeing an overall positive trend in industrial recovery. The information and communication industry is advancing rapidly for solid, high-quality development. Official data shows electric machinery and vehicle manufacturing recorded double-digit growth last year. China made and sold 30 million cars, exporting more than 4 million of them as the world's largest auto exporter in 2023. The industry ministry says will support businesses in collaborative innovation with a focus on pushing technological boundaries in manufacturing automotive chips, solid-state batteries, and autonomous driving technology. All this to make EV products even more competitive. Combined, EV, lithium battery, and solar panel exports surpassed 1 trillion yuan or $140 billion last year. Authorities also supported emerging industries like new materials and robotics. The information and communications technology industry also saw rapid growth. In 2023, telecom service revenue grew by 6.2%, emerging as a crucial economic driver. Meanwhile, China has established over 3 million 5G base stations and is ranked as the world's second largest computing power. In 2024, the ministry is focused on high-quality development, actively addressing challenges to reinforce the positive momentum in industrial recovery and drive ongoing excellence in industry and communication. The industry ministry says it aims to solidify the recovery trend in the industrial economy, laying a robust material and technological foundation for Chinese modernization. China is pursuing what it terms new industrialization, which basically means shifting production to a more technology-driven and sustainable model. Officials believe because of China's massive market scale, its industrial system, and information infrastructure, the country can actually sustain that growth momentum in the following months. Dakai CGTN, Beijing. China's manufacturing sector has ranked number one globally for more than a decade. In recent years, many local governments across the country have rolled out wide-ranging measures to promote the development of key supply chains. 
Sao Zhufeng is in Guangdong province, one of the biggest manufacturing hubs in China, and has more on the story. Back in 2021, Guangdong became the first provincial government to include a plan to implement a supply chain chief plus owner system into its work report. Supply chain chiefs are appointed top local officials that are responsible for overseeing specific industries, while supply chain owners are key businesses in industries able to drive the development of the whole industrial chain. The system promotes cooperation between the government and market to drive the safety and development of supply chains. This system aims to combine the forces of the market and government, creating a proactive government and an efficient market. The primary tasks of supply chain chiefs are to integrate resources and introduce supporting policies. Supply chain owners need to be entities capable of driving the development of the entire industrial chain. Guangzhou Automobile Group, or GAC Group, is a supply chain owner for both new energy and smart connected vehicle industries in Guangdong. Its new energy brand, Ion, does business with several hundred supply chain enterprises or projects within the province directly driving an annual output of around 2.8 billion U.S. dollars. And many suppliers are connected to guarantee swift production. After users place a vehicle order through our app, the intelligent production scheduling system can complete factory scheduling and distribute component orders within four hours. The real-time sharing of production progress allows 23 nearby suppliers to achieve synchronized delivery. GAC Group, along with other organizations, also set up an investment fund at the end of last year to invest in more projects in targeted industries. Desi SV, another supply chain owner of smart connected vehicles, has also publicly announced similar plans. And of course, there is the question of whether such a system would help the supply chain owners squeeze the profit of other companies along the chain. But one expert say the system is really about aiming for a win-win situation for everyone. If we can collectively expand the cake, everyone gets a larger share, right? In the future, competition is not merely between individual companies. It involves individual enterprises aligning with the entire industrial chain to compete with other companies. Professor Chen says the system aligns with China's plan to create globally competitive businesses as well as industries that align with the strategic needs of the country. China's new energy vehicle sector continued to lead the world in 2023, according to the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology. Continuous expansion in the sector has also fueled optimism and confidence of foreign businesses. CGTN reporter Sun Shangyi provides more details. China recorded sales of over 9.5 million new energy vehicles last year, solidifying its position as the global leader in both production and sales for the ninth consecutive year. Seeing the vast potential of China's NEV market, a number of foreign enterprises are doubling down on the sector for a piece of the action. On Tuesday, Chu Ryland, an international testing, inspection and certification organization, signed a collaboration agreement with Chinese EV startup Expo. This partnership will encompass various aspects, including automobile components, charging infrastructure and talent development. 
development uh, over the last years here in the China automotive sector was was really um, yeah incredible uh, in terms of the technology which had evolved, the progress which was made. Um, and so on many of those topics, the Chinese OEMs are on, on, on top of the development. China is estimated to have become the world's top auto exporter in 2023, with NEV exports playing a significant role in this achievement. Currently, one out of every three cars exported by China is an NEV. In 2023, 1.2 million units of NEV were exported to both established EV markets such as Europe and emerging markets like the ASEAN nations, reflecting a 77.6% increase. While Chinese NEV manufacturers are actively expanding their presence overseas, they face both opportunities and challenges. It's a consumer base that is increasingly asking for these products and it's uh, a government uh, support that is also strengthening uh, the industry. That is a, a, key, a key strength, that's right. But of course there are challenges. One challenge, of course, for the Chinese OEMs is to be up to date with all these new regulations all over the globe. We need to have stable supply chains. And as we all know, this has also been a challenge uh, lately. There is forecast that Chinese NEV brands could take up almost 80% of the global market share this year in 2024. China's growing dominance in the sector is set to attract even more foreign investment, and this in turn will also further elevate the competitiveness of local players in the global arena. Sun Shangyi, CGTN, Shanghai. Now for more discussions on the performance of China's manufacturing sector, we're joined by Chu Qiang, research fellow at the Beijing Foreign Studies University. Chu Qiang, good to see you. Um, so let's first talk about, you know, what factors have been attracting investment for China's high-tech and advanced manufacturing sectors? Well, I think right now the whole world is facing a lot of uncertainty. So I think the outside environment that formed a very big pictures for uh, creating in China, for example, solar panels, lithium batteries, and EV. Uh, because if you take a look at, pay attention to the recent disasters, you will see tornadoes, hurricanes, or you know, floods, and etc. It keeps on reminding people the fossil fuels and you know greenhouse gases would be a huge problem. And also, in a short term, if you take a look at the current geopolitical conflict and a high rise in inflation, people would know that using the fossil fuel can not be a very stable choice for not only their productions but also their life. So people are, you know, keep on thinking all over the world. They're thinking right now we probably need a plan B or maybe another plan A. I think that is the reason why, uh, you know, uh, China has faced a very good momentum, you know, uh, globally in a micro level. And also secondly, we pay attention to, you know, creating China or China 2025 itself. I think China have a lot of advantages to make, you know, this creating in China very attractive. And number one, I think the leadership in China really are taking an endeavor, try to pioneer this trend. You know, do not like China like him behind when this great height of the time has come. And secondly, you know, uh, we have mobilized lots of the capital, lots of the talents and lots of technology, you know, researchers to jump into this, uh, you know, uh, time of a uh, trend of the time. And also certainly China is not only working on this, uh, you know, high tech, you know, product alone, because China has been forming this, uh, you know, achievement in a path of 40 years. We have probably the only, you know, holistic industrial, you know, systems all over the world, the only one. So because we have this comprehensive advantage in you know, all kinds of industrial sectors, so we can make this high-tech products, you know, much cheaper and much, you know, better in the uh, quality. 
for example, for a One EV with a similar quality, with a similar specs and installations, BYD's car, One EV, compared to the Toyota's EV, would be one quarter, you know, cheaper uh, to the counterparts. So that shows Chinese, you know, products of the high tech have this, you know, edge in the uh, prices. And also, I think uh, you know, uh, and last but not least, is because you know the Chinese people has have a long-term strategy, you know, in this area. Because if you know, for example, in the EV, um, EV actually has been forming this idea in the end of the 1990s. So early in that time, Chinese people, industries, and leadership and the governments are trying to form that idea because we realize that we need to take a very, very long time to catch up and then take the lead in this time. Like you have everybody now congratulating you to have a, a beautiful and attractive baby. Nobody knows the conception and also the delivery is very, very painful until you finally make it. So I think that's the reason why. Yeah, and then from today's press release, we heard that there's increased capital investment uh, by institutions. Um, so, what are the key developments resulting from that? Well, I think the institutional investment that come from basically two sides. I think one I just mentioned is the leadership from the government. That really, I think the government is visionary. They foresee the trend. Of, hey, there is a lot of choke point in their supply chain. We cannot jump over. For example for the engine technologies being, you know, controlled in the Japanese and the Germany uh, automobile makers. So what can China do is to take another role, for example, EV, right? So I think government down put the first down payment in here. And secondly, I think the market kicked in and played a very important role. Because everybody is seeing EVs, not only the government you know, initiative, but also there is a trend because the whole world is trying to you know, pursue the green development and suddenly people find out EV is very important. There is a huge benefit waiting to be discovered in here. So the PE, I think the uh, angel fund, like the industrial fund and the founder fund, FOF, everybody in the market followed you know, uh, this uh, play. So I think government plus the market together has made it very effective and to make the whole deal very big and successful right now. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for that. Um, do stay with us for more discussions later in the program, Chi Chang, for us. Now, China's top economic planner has stressed on increasing public transportation capacity supply during the annual spring festival holiday. On Friday, officials from the National Development and Reform Commission called for efforts to strengthen transport connections with passenger safety among the top priorities. They also discussed improvements to emergency response services to cope with possible severe weather during the peak travel period. The government expected record high 9 billion passenger trips during the 40-day holiday period from January 26, as people across China travel to attend family reunions. We will work to increase the supply of transportation capacity to fully meet the travel needs of passengers during peak periods. Given the expected large passenger flow, all departments in the transportation industry must scientifically predict passenger flow demand and trend changes, fully tap transportation potential, rationally formulate transportation plans, and carry out overall planning and deployment of transportation capacity. Davos 2024, the World Economic Forum theme this year is all about rebuilding trust. Join government, business and civil society leaders for a back-to-basics exchange of ideas. Explore the tough questions. 
from security and cooperation in a fractured world to creating growth and jobs in a new era. Discover how AI is propelling the society and the economy forward, while also addressing its inherent risks. Dive into our long-term strategy for nature, climate, and energy. Be a part of Davos 2024 as we listen to the world and let the world hear China. The 54th annual meeting of the World Economic Forum is into its last day in Davos, Switzerland. Under the theme Rebuilding Trust, the five-day event aims to restore collective agency, reinforce transparency, and construct dialogue between global leaders from government, business, and academia. Our special coverage of this year's Davos finds out how economies can reconstruct trust amid challenges. As the last day of the Davos Summit unfolds, global leaders and influencers converge to address pressing issues on the world stage. The meeting is held under the theme Rebuilding Trust and features over 200 sessions with leading public figures. Our reporter Zheng Junfeng has some takeaways. There are lots going on in Davos in the last two days. Let me break down in different areas. On technology, a new World Economic Forum report shows the global fintech industry is showing strength and resilience and continues to expand financial services to traditionally underserved consumers and businesses despite an unclear economic outlook. On global collaboration, Antonio Guterres, Secretary General of the UN, said he's confident that we can build a new multipolar global order with new opportunities for leadership, balance, and justice in international relations. But he added, multipolarity creates complexity. French President Emmanuel Macron said Europe must transition towards greater sovereignty in defense, clean energy, and key industries, including AR and semiconductors. He also announced the construction of 14 new nuclear reactors. He said France will get rid of coal by 2027. On reviving growth, the Future of Growth Report 2024 spotlighted a second a global economic slowdown amid ongoing geopolitical shocks. In parallel, the forum launched a Future of Growth Initiative, a two-year campaign that will help identify and advance the best pathways to balanced growth, innovation, inclusion, sustainability, and resilience. On people and equality, the forum announced that its Rescaling Revolution initiative, which aims to prepare 1 billion people for future through public-private initiatives, has reached 680 million people with better skills, job opportunities, and education. Meanwhile, a new report shows how closing the women's health gap could improve the lives of millions across the world and provide a boost to the global economy up to $1 trillion by 2024. On protecting climate and nature, experts and industry leaders in Davos discussed how technology can be used to better steward ocean health. Davos, Switzerland. Numerous business events are being held in Davos to facilitate investment and bridge information gap. Over 30 investment bankers and family office managers attended an investment event on Thursday in downtown Davos. Private investment bank Cedras Group, which manages 8 billion US dollars of assets in life science, natural resources, and nanotech, has announced the launch of their domestic Chinese private equity fund with the size of over 1 billion RMB. The fund will invest in life science and agriculture in China. Cedras will continue to attract innovative Swiss and European companies to China by investing in them and advising them on market entry, business setup, 
and development. We are here at Davos talking to about 30 financial institutions and family offices, mostly from Switzerland and France and Europe, talking about the investment opportunities in China. We've managed to set up three funds, each with one billion renminbi, and the European investors are comfortable and confident about making investments in China through our arrangements. This is actually really improving understanding and also enhancing and restoring trust between China and Europe and China and the rest of the world. China is a great market, uh, amazing. The government is doing an amazing job with the regulations uh, and others. And of course, it's a large market. So I think that any life sciences company, any pharmaceutical company cannot ignore China as their base and as a market where, where it's a very uh, competitive and large market. So China is 28% of the world's GDP. So I think that from an investment point of view and from uh, attraction to companies, uh, it's a must. We see that China is a reliable partner. We see that there is a prosperous China with great growth, economical growth and impact. And we think that it matters to the world. And it also matters to the world that this conversation, these investments, these transactions are happening. And this, the world comes closer together. And in a, in a multilateral world, you want to have these connections, you want to build these bridges, you want to work together, and you want to invest together. And so assetization is happening across the globe, and it will also happen between Switzerland and China, and we are very, very happy to play a great part in this. The U.S. Congress has successfully passed a bill to extend federal funds, ensuring the avoidance of a government shutdown that was looming. The bill will provide an extension of funding for federal transportation programs, housing, veterans services, food plans, and other essential resources for an additional six to seven weeks. These funds were originally set to expire on Friday. The U.S. national debt surpassed the $34 trillion mark on December 29, 2023 for the first time and continues to rise. Looking ahead, Congress will need to pass 12 more bills to fund the government for the fiscal year of 2024. Now for more discussions on the snowballing U.S. debt and its implications, uh, we're joined again by Chu Chang, a research fellow at Beijing Foreign Studies University. So uh, Chu Chang, what are the implications of the U.S. national debt surpassing $34 trillion for the first time? And is it likely to continue increasing in the future? Well, if you take a look uh, at the track record of American government debt, I think the curve is still accelerating. There's no sign to see this curve getting flattened or getting slowing down or not letting alone to get it, you know, reduced. I think, um, you know, when America's uh, federal debt of uh, mounting from one trillion U.S. dollars to 10 trillion U.S. dollars, it costs probably about 10 years or more. And from the 10 to 20, it cost them about five years. And now we're looking at it, uh, about two years later, uh, they are mounting this from, you know, a 30 trillion U.S. dollars to almost a 35 trillion dollars. So I think the speed and you know acceleration is still going up, and there is no stop about it. It's more like heroin addiction to the fiscal you know demand in the United States of America, and the reason why they can do that is because in the you know they had money of the U.S. dollar all over the world, because it's as we call it in the economics, it's their U.S. dollar, but it's all of ours you know consequences as the rest of the world. I mean. They can transfer uh, the consequences to the rest of the world, to the working class in America. For example, the high inflation we have already witnessed in the past three years because of a large issuance 
you know, uh, U.S. dollar liquidity into the market. The high inflation has been flooding all over the world. And also, uh, in the other uh, scenario, they're probably going to be the assets bubble in the emerging market and then bust and the boom cycle happening. Many, many, uh, you know, assets, many, many of the wealth will be harvested uh, through this cycle. So it's going to be very, very difficult for, you know, uh, the other countries. But also, I think in the long run, it's going to also hurt America's, you know, fiscal policy, monetary policy, and also American citizens themselves. And how does this ever-growing debt snowball impulse, uh, impose heavy pressure on the U.S. economy? And what measures do you think the government plan to take to address it? And on top of that, what potential crisis might arise as a result of these measures? Well, I think... Uh, uh, the reason why they, they want to do that is that America is uh, basically uh, a consumption-oriented country. And also, this country are enjoying in a very huge trade deficit all over the world, uh, you know, in their uh, uh, current account, which means that they will have some inflow of the foreign capitals into their uh, capital account. And based on that, they have the leverage to borrow more of the monies. And the more and more you borrow, and the principal plus the interest you have to pay off is going to mounting up and snowballing bigger and bigger. So there is no stop. If they want to do that, I think uh, we also see uh, examples. So for example, for the small economy, for example, like uh, you know Greece or like uh, you know other European countries, they applied austerity, uh, you know, policies to their fiscal policies and monetary policy, which means everybody will need to live through a hardship and a very frugal life to pay off the debt. Otherwise, your debt is going to mount in bigger and bigger. But for the USA, I don't think their political system plus their capital market slash and uh, trade structures allow them to do so. So I think the only thing they can do is try to, you know, print more of the money into the market. And the only thing they can do right now is to slow down issuing the liquidity into the market and to try to control a little bit through uh, the current framework. But I, I think it's still a very, very difficult job. So that's the reason why you see every year they you know, quarrel and argue about having the debt ceiling, but every time fails. Yeah. Is there a possibility of another shutdown crisis for the U.S. federal government in the latter part of January? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you bet on that. There is always a crisis of <laughs> shutting down the government. Every time this kind of a crisis, you know, de facto is the crisis between the two parties. They use them as an excuse to fight against each other. But eventually, I think everybody deep down in their heart, they understand this kind of a crisis cannot happen and not be allowed to happen. So eventually, they will agree on the same page and keep on borrowing more and mounting up to the ceiling. All right. Thank you so much for that, Chu Chang. Research Fellow at Beijing Foreign Studies University. For us, always great to have you on the show. And that will do it for this edition of Global Business. I'm John Lindenberg in Beijing.